0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Metro Praise International. My voice is very low. (laughs) All right. Good to see everybody here this morning at uh AM service. If we can please stand up as
1: we get ready to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that can those those that are by the entrance, please bring it in. Let's get ready to worship Jesus.
0: So every before we get into worship, who is my testimony person this morning? We have a person to testify. Diana de Guzman. Amen. Bring it up.
2: Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Amen. When I say God, you say good. God. Good. (laughs) Good God. Okay, so good morning. (laughs) Good morning. Oh, man, I just got an awesome testimony. Dude, God is so amazing. God is so good. God heals hearts. And God breaks hearts that have become hard over time, right? Last night, we went to Boys Town. We sat up there passing hot cocoa and singing worship songs unto God. But the most important thing that we did there was we preached the gospel and we shared the good news with our neighbors. And as, as we had a big team out there, there were so many people just crying, crying and, and, uh, and understanding who God is. There was a, a particular man that I met, his name is Gary we were talking to him he was he was a, a re- recovering heroin addict you know he was high when we were talking to him and he was he was just talking about the book of Enoch or something he was arguing with us and then I, w- I went up to him I felt just the Lord tug on my heart and to ask him is that little detail so big that it keeps you from God after talking with him a little bit more he started sharing that yeah you know God, God took me from my struggles I admit that but what about the person inside after the rules, after, after the struggles, what about the person inside? And I just shared with him, that's why you need to be born again. God can give you a new life. And this man, he was, he was antagonistic. Man, he left out of that conversation grateful for hearing some good news. Amen? Amen. So this morning, we're going to lift God high because God is a God that forgives the sins of sinners. And he renews the heart. Revival in Chicago. Amen? amen hallelujah jesus let's just let's just pray hallelujah god we thank you this morning lord god we just we lift you high god we exalt you god for you are greater than any any good thing in this earth god you are greater than any friend that we can have any parent god you love is greater god and we exalt you we lift you high god you are awesome lord in jesus name we pray amen
3: Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, if you could with me, just close your eyes here. Hallelujah. God, we give you praise and glory. Come on, we're just preparing our hearts for something He's already done in our lives. Come on. God, we ask that you open up our minds, God. Open up our minds, God. We, God, we come before you in your presence, in your presence, your presence, okay? Won't you have your way this morning lord have your way lord we're in no rush god we're in no rush oh lord for all that you have planned before us god you're such a good god we confess it we're in no rush oh god oh yes Come on, sometimes we know we're in a rush. We have a pattern of doing things. You know, first song, fast song, medium song, second song, slow song. But come on, let's just enjoy His presence right now and acknowledge it. That as people, we're all we need, God. We're all we need. You're all we need here. Hallelujah. And come on, what a joy, what an honor, what a blessing it is to, to be in the body of Christ. Come on. Come on, come on, church. Would you just begin to lift up your praise from your heart? we're his bride come on he said i'm coming back for my bride spotless bride we're his bride come on we can sing to our king we can sing to our lord oh jesus we thank you for your freedom we thank you for your presence oh god and in your presence there is the fullness of joy and in your presence there is power come on there is power this morning Hallelujah, we receive it, oh God, on every person, on every person. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Come on, clap your hands. Come on, you sing it out. The highest throne to the earth below, you lay down your life for the likes of us. Great is the love of a savior. Sing it from a wounded heart to a life made whole. Every human heart will declare as one Great is the love of a savior.
4: Lord of endless life, let your glory shine forever. You saw the earth, you saw the earth. We'll sing your praise.
3: Go give a praise! From the mountain heights to the valleys low, all created things give the light to show. Jesus, we live for Your glory. From the rising sun to the still of night, every waking moment for Your delight. Yes, Jesus, we live for Your glory.
4: Sing Lord of endless light, let Your glory shine forever. It's all the earth, it's all all the earth, earth. we sing your praise. Come on, sing hope. The hope of every heart, let your name be lifted higher. It's all our hearts, it's all our hearts, we sing your praise. Come on, sing our be, we sing, God be exalted, God be exalted
3: everything is sweet. Live for your glory. Live for your glory. Come on, tell them this morning, God be exalted. Sing it out. We sing. God be exalted. God be exalted.
4: In everything is sweet. Live for your glory. Live for your glory. Come on, come on sing Lord. the Lord. Lord of this life. So i shine forever so the earth On the earth we'll sing your praise Come on, sing In hope And hope our heart Let your name be lifted higher the all our hearts It's all our hearts heart. we'll sing your praise Come on, sing Gabi. Sing Gabi. Exhausted, happy, exhausted in everything, we live for your glory, live for your glory. Sing, God be exalted, and everything come on, sing it. we live for Your glory, live for Your glory. Oh, yes. we sing, we sing, God be exalted, God be.
3: Glory, come on, give my hand, clap of praise in this place, church. Come on, oh, Yeah, God, we ask that this morning, God, you awaken our hearts, God, for something more. Come on, for something more. Come on, I know this past week we had a holiday weekend, and some people are traveling with family, and we're the focus of so sometimes family, family. We're thankful for our family, and we're just thankful for your presence, God, and for Jesus Christ this morning. We're thankful for the body of Christ, where we can come here together. God, we ask, Lord, that you would awaken our hearts, prepare our hearts for something special. Come on. Oh, Jesus, come on. Oh, Jesus. You know, when I read the Bible, the Bible encouraging me so much, not just that fact, it's the word of God, but you see what God did. And Sometimes we kind of look and say, man, God did that long ago. And we forget that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That his power, when he touched the blind man's eyes and they open, they open. And his power is here are the same today. How would our praise be if we know that God is the same yesterday, today, forever? And maybe some of the things that we may be going through, God, he looks at it the, the same. And his power and his glories, demons being casted out. Church, that's exciting. That's the God that we serve. It's my prayer this morning right now. God, would you awaken our hearts. Awaken our hearts this morning, God, to who you are. We don't wanna lose sight, God. We don't wanna be confused and and miss it, God, just because of all the external things going around us, God. You are the almighty, the one and only true God we worship you lord we lift up our mouths we lift up our praise to you god to you to you jesus we welcome you in this place holy spirit this is your church we welcome you into our hearts into our minds come on come on we welcome you come on place your hand over your mind god i invite you we welcome you i welcome you i welcome you come on church We'll take as long as you need it till you can get it. God, we welcome you. see, Oh, you're such a great king. You're such a great king. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Hallelujah. 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 Give you Lord. Come on, church, let me sing this song that I praise.
4: I roll building let it fall on your people let it fall
3: Sing it, I'll lift your voice this morning. Come on.
4: our praise, oh
3: soul. Oh, oh, oh. Come on, if you feel with the spirit here, come on. We believe that God speaks to his people, amen. So with all eyes closed in this place, all eyes closed, God, we invite you to come and speak to us, God. If we're desperate, we're hungry for a word.
4: To you to us we'll
3: if you have been doing things your own way, if you've been satisfied off of your own deeds and your way of thinking and now coming to the Lord and dismissing what God will want, dismissing what he's requiring of you, come on, God has given you an opportunity here this morning to come to him, to return to him, Jesus, come on, if that was you, just place your hand over your heart with me this morning come on and tell the lord you're no longer doing it your way to open up your eyes to the error of your mistakes to your pride to your selfish ambition come on to your fears come the problem is never on his end church the problem is never on his end come on jesus Come we're going to do this right now We're going to open up this altar Come on the band gets ready to play this next song. I want to open up this altar. God is doing a special thing here. Come on. He is a, he's specifically having these words that are for our mind, the way we see ourselves, the way we see church, the way we see praying to him, the way we receive receiving his blessing. Come on. Some of us can be struggling for our blessing when God's already given it to us. And it's in our minds here this morning that God is wanting to open up. God is wanting to renew. So right now we we'll are open up this altar for you come on right now if what you needed to God to renew your mind this morning come on up meet us at this altar and just begin to pray and seek the Lord he's already here he's already giving you the invitation come on Jesus
5: worship you, God. Your love brings us to our knees, Lord God. We worship you, God. presence God we thank you for your presence God we thank you for the work that you're doing in the lives of those in this room God the lives of those at this altar God the renewing of minds that's taking place in this very moment Lord God hallelujah Jesus as the band continues to play we're gonna just ask that the ushers would start bringing out the communion Right now we're gonna celebrate what the Lord Jesus Christ did for his church, for his people, for those in the world that don't even know him. Even today, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. As the ushers go ahead and pass that out, we're going to sing this song one more time.
4: I to to the God cross I, I all
6: suffering
4: All of the suffering, suffering I do dream. All this work I, I do see. On In my sin. Bruised and crushed,
3: show that God
5: show that God is love and that God is
4: just. At the cross, at the cross, you
5: beckon me. Draw me gently to my knees, and
4: I am lost for words, so lost in love. I am sweetly broken, holy surrender.
5: Hallelujah, Let's just continue to pass out the communion. And as the band gently plays in the background, we're going to go ahead and and read God's word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 29, it talks about communion. This is the words of Paul. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it until he comes so then whenever whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ and eat and drink eat and drink judgment on themselves so right now What this is saying is we need to examine our hearts and our minds and we need to come to the Lord and see, Lord, is there any sin in me? Is there anything, any way that I'm displeasing you, God? Is there anything that I need to bring to you right now? Because you died to wash away my sins. Your body was broken, your blood was spilt, Lord. So as the worship team plays, I want you to examine your hearts and you can take the communion the the bread and the juice on your own whenever you feel ready after you've examined yourselves and just continue to worship God. Amen.
3: A body and remembrance of what God is doing in our lives, amen. We're oh, yeah, yeah. sing What a Priceless Gift! What a Priceless
4: Gift! We're gonna sing it out. I've been given, I've been given, through Christ crucified, oh, you call me out, you call me out of death,
3: and you call me it's
4: alive. Let the, cross. Let the cross you beckon me, draw me Lost in love, Sweetly broken. Holy Jesus we
5: thank you Lord we thank you for your body and blood that washes away our sins Jesus we thank you Lord that you decided to sacrifice your life so that the world could know your truth Know your salvation, know your freedom, and know the Father in heaven. Hallelujah, Jesus. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, and they will not be put to shame. Today, Lord, today, we ask you, Lord, we call on your name. If there's anybody in this room that you do not know Jesus, or you know you're not right with God, and you want to call on his name right now, You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to have two leaders right here, Chris and Nancy. They're going to be standing right here. And if you want to right now, right now, give your life to Jesus or get right with God, you could go to them right now. And I'm going to pray and close out this time of communion. All right? Amen. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your love that was demonstrated on the cross, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God. I can't say it enough, Lord. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. Lord, I'm not the same person I used to be because the moment you touched my life, the moment you touched my life, you changed me, Jesus. Lord, you changed me from a depressed, lost, unbeliever, a person who said I would never call myself a Christian, Jesus, and you turned me around, and you took my chains off, Jesus. You took the chains of sadness and depression off my life. And I know that there's people in this room that have the same story, the similar story, a testimony of God's transforming love in this place. And we thank you. We stand together and thank you, God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. Today we have a special event taking place. We are dedicating baby Liam, Desiree's baby boy. We're dedicating him to the Lord. Yeah, let's praise the Lord for that.
1: You may be seated and then we'll do our confession of faith. But uh, baby Liam, would you come up with Desiree, your mama? Amen. We're so happy that he's here. Look at you look at you. You're so cute. <laughs> You're so cute. You're so cute. You're so cute. Yes. Oh my goodness. Desiree, why don't you share a little bit of your testimony? Just uh, a portion of You don't have to share the whole thing, but whatever you feel comfortable with, would you do that and face the people? Come close just a little bit, you know, just whatever's on your heart. You want me to hold them? You think that would work? No?
7: Um, uh, I dealt with, um, depression and, uh, um, I was just lost, completely lost and so many scars and wounds that I thought would never heal and I, I just, I thought I could not be free and, um, God broke the chains, and I came here and experienced, I know I say this a lot of times to you guys, but love, because that was huge for me. I seriously thought that, I seriously thought that no human being on this earth was capable of love, like just loving people. I grew up without that love that I wanted, the love of a father, the love of the mother, the love of family around me um I was in the streets I used to live in the streets at the age of 12 um and stuff like that so I was seriously like there's no one on this earth that can that can show me love and God you must just how can you put me on this earth to endure all this pain that I have since I was a child growing up like how could this be there you know and uh and then I come to Metro Praise, and I'm like, what in the world? Why are all these people so happy and cheerful? And they're all like, oh, my God, God bless you. You know, what's your name? How are you doing? And, and like, like I tell everybody that I meet, like, in the streets or when I'm witnessing, I'm like, dude, when I came to this church, like, you don't understand. I didn't think that people were capable of love, like, real, pure, true love. And these people just are radiant, you know, with God. Like, Jesus is all over this place. I'm like, it's true. You know, there is love. There, love in the people, like wow and that that was a huge thing for me and so when I was coming here like just chains were being broken off and God was just ripping everything off me that I thought like was going to be there forever and I can stand here today experiencing freedom I'm free in the name of Jesus and amen
1: awesome amen Well, uh, this is Liam Edwards and the mother, Desiree Delgado, are dedicating Liam to the Lord today. Matthew 19, 13 through 15, talks about people bringing children to Jesus. And the disciples, they were so spiritual. They said, no, we don't got time for children's church. But then Jesus rebuked them and said, man, we always got time for children. So, oh, he said, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them, for such is the kingdom of God. And the Bible says he would place their hands on them and bless them. And that's what we want to do today. So I know we have some of uh, uh, Desiree's family, whoever wants to come stand with their aunts, uh, other children, come on up. We're just going to pray for Liam today and the whole family. Can we give them a hand clap as they come? Amen. And uh, we love our single moms here, and we believe that God's got a great plan for her life, and there's a lot of good people standing around her. But if you ever want to help her, just maybe talk to her and say, hey, how can I help you? And uh, we're going to believe, God, that Liam's going to grow up strong with these other beautiful kids and family and cousins and all that. So let's pray. Father, I thank you today for Liam. I pray you bless him, Lord. Let him grow up strong, God. Let him always know and love you, Lord. Let him be a blessing to Desiree, Lord. Let him uh, be a help around the house. Let him be a leader, Father. Let him know your voice from a young age, God, that uh, he'll know that you're his father and that you'll always provide for him. Lord, keep him from uh, the trouble that's on the streets and with bad friends, Lord. Let him be a good friend and a good influence. And we just pray today for Desiree as a single mom, that you'll encourage her, Lord, that you'll make her strong, God. You'll make her in ways to be a father and a mother to her children. You'll help her, God, when she's tired, Lord. You'll give her strength. Bring good friends around her, Lord, babysitters, uh, family members to encourage her, God. Let her just know she's not going through this alone. And, Lord, for her testimony, God, let that testimony uh, be encouraged encouragement to others lord and let them uh, look to her and say if god can do it for desiree and change her heart and give her peace and strength he can do it for me lord i thank you for liam edwards today and the whole family that's here in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen let's bless the lord amen why don't we all stand to our feet put on some happy music Come by, shake their hands, tell them that you love them, tell them that you're going to have them over for dinner, and uh, we're just going to do that now. Come from your seat and uh, greet the family if you can, please. Thank you.
6: a beautiful line. Together, two worlds entwine, a powerful.
1: All right, let's all stand to our feet and do the confession of faith. We'll greet each other one more time today, so just stand up with us. On the count of three, one, two, three, I believe in one God and Creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in His death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail I believe in the salvation for all mankind it is by faith alone in Christ alone by God's grace alone and for the glory of God alone amen and amen Rejoice and keep celebrating and greet somebody for another five minutes. It's a good time. Amen. Thanksgiving spirit in the house. Be thankful for your friends today. Welcome to Metro Praise.
8: It's good to see you here this morning welcome to Metro Praise International we are excited that you came to join us this morning to worship the Lord God is so good his presence we always feel it every Sunday morning obviously his presence goes with us throughout the week but when we gather together as the body of Christ that we worship the Lord it is a powerful powerful thing And the Bible actually says do not forsake gathering together with the brethren so keep that in mind it is of honor it is a privilege to be able to come and gather together in freedom in this country to worship jesus because all across the world there are other nations where christians are getting persecuted for their faith for doing this various thing so look to your neighbor say let's be thankful amen our services here are every sunday morning at 10 a.m and then every friday at 7 p.m our youth group meets elevate they had an awesome time this past week, and so we're just continuing to invite our friends and family to these two services, and our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments that Jesus said that we should live by, and as a church, we want to exemplify that and you know, live that out as an example of loving God with all of our heart and loving our neighbor as ourselves. and then we, we have... Um, our, our discipleship strategy it's three steps it's a three-step strategy it's connect mentor and send we want to connect you to the cross disciple, sh- disciple you with the cross and then send you out with the cross and the way that we do that here at MPI is very simple we want to connect you to Jesus through our life groups. somebody say life groups who's excited about life groups every week come on you get life at life groups and so on the back of your handouts that piece of paper those in that notes okay that paper that you take notes on, that's called a handout. You turn it around, and there. this is our life group schedule, and you can see what's going on for this quarter, October, November, December, and then every week we just wanna give you a snapshot of what's happening at MPI because there's always something to do, okay? So this week, we have Sunday, today, every Sunday night, we have encounter, prayer night, life group, all ages are welcome, five o'clock, come soak in the glory, Go after God like never before. This Wednesday, we have King's Kids, our life group for our children, infant to 11 years old at 630 every single Wednesday. We have Royal Rangers and Impact. And what that is, it's just a Christian version of Boy Scout, Girl Scouts for Jesus. Somebody say amen for that. Bring your children, drop them off, go do some errands. You can stay around if you would like, but 630 to 8, bring them here every week so they could be discipled. This is their life group, a time for them to learn about Jesus and go deep in their faith. And then every Friday, we have our our adult life group at Pastor Berto and Griselda's house at 7 o'clock, and they're just loving on the community, inviting people, and they're just growing strong. So if you want a Bible study throughout the week, please go to their house and just grow in your faith. And then uh, Saturday, our evangelism life group is going out faithfully week after week. Five o'clock, meet with them if you want to just grow in your faith and be challenged to, to street witness. That is what's happening this week at MPI. Look at your neighbor, say amen. And then we want to mentor you, 101 and 201, our 101 book, Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders in place ready to take you through that. And then our 201, after you graduate the 101, we train you to be a leader in the house of God. And then we want to send you out to evangelize, to be bold in sharing your faith. And that our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in the city and 500 around the world. And if you believe we can do that, say amen. Praise God. It is time to give this morning. It is time to give. Who's excited about giving? Ishmael was excited about giving. Here at MPI, we believe that your tithe is a 10%. Of your total income everything that comes through your hands a paycheck an allowance anything 10% belongs to Jesus so if you get a $500 paycheck what's 10% of $500 $50 that belongs to him that's not ours because everything that we have ultimately is his and he blesses us with it but the scriptures teach that when we give him 10% of our income we're putting God first And when we can put God first in our finances, it shows a lot about our walk with him, our relationship with him. And then an offering is anything above that, apart from the 10% tithe. And we designate offering here at MPI towards missions and building fund. And that amount is between you and the Lord, something that God puts on your heart that you seek him with in prayer. And you say, God, what should I give towards missions? And when we're doing a building fund, what should I give towards this building fund? Amen? If you could please turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, I'll be reading verses 32 through 36. Acts 20, 32 through 36. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Somebody say, help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. These are the words of the Apostle Paul that he was speaking to the church. I believe it was in Ephesus and he was leaving them and he was on his way to Jerusalem. These were the Ephesian leaders and he's telling them, and everything that I showed you, I showed you an example of working hard and being a giver. He said, remember these words as I leave your presence, that it's more to give than to receive. It is a blessing. And when we come and we talk about finances week after week and we encourage you and I encourage you, Give God your 10% because the best belongs to God. Our prayer needs to be, Lord, we want to have a heart of obedience to you, to be faithful givers, and to have hearts of generosity. If you believe that we should be humble in our attitude towards God with finances, say amen, that we will be faithful and obedient, generous givers. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap this morning as Pastor Joe makes his way to bring an announcement to you about our Philippines mission strip.
1: Let's give it up for Pastor Nancy for doing good every week. Thank you. Open up your Bibles quickly with me to 2 Corinthians 9 12. And uh, you have it on the sheet I just gave you. And I want to share with you about a Philippines trip that we want to take in 2014. We want to prepare ourselves for an entire year so that we can go this time next year, December 2014, to the Philippines. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be awesome. But we need everybody to be a part of it and to share in the responsibility for this. And it's no coincidence that, to me that the Philippines has been the center of attention lately with the the hurricane that they had, the typhoon. Does everybody uh, know about what's been going on over there? Uh, I believe it's a typhoon, not a hurricane. Is that correct? yeah typhoon happens on one side of the planet hurricanes on the other and i can relate to this because i lived in new orleans for eight years and uh... we had to evacuate the city for hurricanes and i also know what it was like to do the uh... katrina relief and i went there many years to do that and so i know that when we get there in december two thousand fourteen they're still going to be recovering they're still going to have issues and that we can be a part of and uh... you're going to be able to do something about that so this was all planned before it happened, and now that it has happened, I believe that we can, as Metro Praise, respond and do a great work. So just think about how awesome that is that God planned that. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12. It's on the paper here, or you can look at the Scripture as we uh, get it up on the screen. Paul is talking about giving offerings, about going beyond your tithe. The, the Bible teaches that the tithe belongs to God, that it's actually His. That whenever we get money, And we say, this 100%, all of this money is mine. The Bible says that's a greedy heart. So to break the heart of greed, we're to always say, God, 10% of this is yours. This belongs to you. And, uh, you know, now when we get a paycheck, it doesn't really seem like we're giving God our best. But the way they did it then is they would give God the first fruits that came off that apple tree or the first fruits of corn. And they wouldn't just give God the rotten stuff and say, God, you just take the rotten stuff. We can't sell it anyway. They would give God their best. And uh, the example, the closest we can get to that is giving a tithe off your gross. That what you get is a certain amount and then the government takes out theirs and so forth. And then you get this small check afterwards, right? You know, for those of us who worked a job for the first time, you know, like you're 14, 15 years old, you figured out like, I'm going to make $8 an hour towards 40 hours. I'm going to get a lot of money. And it's like, wham, wham, here's a hundred bucks, you know? Like I thought it was going to be 400. Well, what we do is we give God the tithe off that gross. We say, God, that 400 is what you gave me. The government didn't trust me to give a tax on my own. They took it from me. But the Lord, that money still belongs to me. That's my money. You know, that's what I was given and your benefits and all of that. So we want to make sure we're faithful in that. But when it comes to offering, uh, this is what Paul said, he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So when you give an offering... You're saying, I want to help beyond just the normal uh, budget of a church. So a good church is going to plan their budget off the tithe. And that's what we do. We don't want to live off the offering. We want to live off the tithe. So when you have an envelope, and Bertel, can I get one, please? When, when you have an envelope and you mark tithe, we really try to make sure that's our budget for the whole year. And uh, next month, we're going to give you a, um, a recap of the entire 2013 year. And we've had a great year. And I want to thank you, uh, Berto, for doing this. And I want to thank everyone for giving. And so we're going to be talking about that. So then, as you can see here, we have building and missions. And so what that basically means is when you give an offering, these are the options you can have in this church. Now, you can give an offering to 100 different things. You can help a charity that you like. You can give uh, to uh, you know, different needs in your community but your church has given you an opportunity to do that. Now, if we could put up the slides, I would like you to see of what's in our heart for the Philippines and what I think we can all uh, do here together. How many like to help people? Amen. How many would like a church to be praying for us? Let me say it like this. How many would, if we had a hurricane or a typhoon wreck our place, how many would want a church to be planning to come help us? How many think that would be pretty awesome? And, and, and by the way, uh, A, uh, M, and K, uh, who are not here today but uh, are leading the trip, they're from the Philippines, have already introduced us to pastors that are there that we'll be working with, and they're in awe. They're just so thankful that we're coming out there. I mean, just imagine if that was you. You know, you would be so thankful. So they're excited. And uh, it's going to be December 2014 to dates so will be coming up. And uh, this is our goal right here, is that we would raise, and you might have to click it for me, brother, uh, just to help me, please. We want to, uh, let's, yeah, go to the, uh, the goal. It's, uh, it's lagging. We want to raise $20,000 for a mission trip. Now, that may sound like a lot. You may say, man, $20,000, that's a lot. How many $20,000? That's a lot of money. But you see, the joy of this is, is that not all of us have to give 20000 apiece. We're not saying let's all give $20,000. Now, there may be a few of you here that could do that. and Let's make it happen. Hey, Amen. Let's do it. Put some zeros on that check. Let's spend it for Jesus. I love spending money for Jesus. Anybody like doing that? See some of you only like spending money for yourself Black Friday, your kids and your four no more But I like spending money for Jesus I love buying Bibles and giving food to the needy And taking trips like that So hopefully you're excited about that Okay so here's the deal We want to give $20,000 to this trip That's going to cover our flight over there That's going to cover all of our food and lodging And then all of the things that we want to do We're going to give out Bibles We're going to help feed the needy There's actually places in the Philippines Where they have children and families living next to garbage garbage dumps, where they go into the garbage piles, buy things to recycle, or they take things to recycle, and then they sell them for, a uh, you know, just a scrap bit of food, uh, money. So they'll go looking through the garbage dumps for plastic, and they'll go recycle it to live off it. And I'm saying families live out there. We're going to be going through all different parts of the country, uh, traveling many different places and meeting people like that, and some that uh, maybe aren't in that kind of need, but maybe they're running an orphanage, or maybe they need help with their their family their home because it got hit into the, the typhoon i remember going to katrina during the time of of uh, new orleans during the time of katrina and people coming in you know 50 60,000 suvs were asking for toiletries because their whole house was destroyed they had a good living but their house was destroyed so we're going to meet all kinds of people people living in poverty and then people who maybe have been living a good life but the typhoon knocked out their whole f- way of living is everybody with me on that Okay, so now here's the fun, exciting way that we can raise $20,000. How does a church like ours do this big task before us? Well, what we can do is say for the next year, all of us will pledge something to give once a month. Now, we've already talked to the financial committee. Brother Ricky is here. You can also speak with him to confirm this. But we don't have anything else on our agenda this year coming up, 2014, for finances. So Lord willing, if our van uh, keeps running, we'll be fine. And that would be the only thing that we'd probably have to replace as if that 15-passenger van breaks down. So pray that that thing runs. Amen? Uh, but even if that were to happen, we would hope that at that time, we would have the, uh, the shekels to at least... Least give the majority of it so let's say that van breaks down and we say hey we need to buy an eight thousand dollar van but good news is the abundance of tithes we have five thousand dollars in the bank let's raise the next three thousand because as you're going to see uh for our two thousand in year report we have money in the bank amen we've been saving money for those kinds of situations so that's wonderful amen okay so but what we can do now is we can say for the next year let's be faithful in our tithe and then pray about an offering. Now, most of you here give offerings, and sometimes the offering, if it's not designated, just goes right into the general fund. Or some of you give to the building fund so that we can have, you know, like the baptismal tank and those different things. But my challenge for 2014, for that whole year, that you would say my offerings would go to missions. And now I want you to consider this. Uh, Taking what I think would be the lowest amount, $5 a month, to $100, which may be the highest amount. Now, there may be somebody here that you're like, Pastor, giving my tithe is so extreme, I can't even live off hardly that. Well, then you know what? Maybe give God a dollar towards missions a month. I would say do something so that in your heart you can say, God, I want to change the world. But there's most of us here. The average person here could probably give around fifty dollars a month. The average person, if you think about how we spend money, most of us here have good jobs. May not have the jobs our dream jobs, but a lot of us here have good jobs. We have extra money, and what do we spend it on? You know, Starbucks and maybe some extra Christmas presents, certain things like that. But I would challenge you, just the average giver, give fifty dollars a month towards missions. Now, if just 50 people, check this out. Let me just show you the law of multiplication, how awesome this is. If just 50 people give $50 a month, you know how much that is for 12 months? $30,000. We would go beyond the budget. We would excel the budget of $20,000. So my heart to you would just simply be pray and ask God for your best. I think some people are going to give more than $50 because I know the mission fund has been accumulating money during this time, and people give more than $50. Some of you give $75, $100. Some even give more than $100. And then there's others of you who maybe can't give anything. So I'm thinking on average, if we get around $35 to $50, we can excel this budget, and we can do some great things in the Philippines. Now, what's cool about this is that there's nothing that you have to do today. As a matter of fact, there's nothing you have to do next week to give your monies. There's nothing you have to do to give monies the entire month of December. So just relax. Just everybody relax. Amen. Everybody take a chill pill. This is all I'm asking you to do. For the month of December, I'm going to be coming up every week like this, because sometimes people don't come every week. But I'm going to come up every week, take about 5 to 10 minutes. I'm going to take my time and explain this every single week because for the rest of the year, I want people to be committed to it. So I don't want you to feel like, man, they just they just came and told me they want my money, and I don't know what they want my money for. Pastor, I want to get new clothes and a new car. All the churches are about money. They tried to manipulate me. No, I don't want anybody to say that. I want you to be able to say, no, my, my church is different. My pastor came to me for a whole month and just told me about what they wanted to do for God. No obligation. As a matter of fact, I'm not trying to say churches that do this are wrong. I'm just saying our church is not going to do it. There's no pledges that we're going to take from you. Some of my friends' churches, they'll take a pledge with your name on it, say, you know, you're going to give $50 a month, and then if you don't do it, they're going to hand you that sheet and say, hey, you're supposed to be at $100 a month, uh, you know, $100 after two months, but you're really only at 64 or, you know, whatever. No, this is a pledge that's between you and God. This is between you and God. This is something that right now you can just pray about this month. No coinky, think it's during the time of Christmas. Now let me just pause here while we talk about Christmas. If it's his birthday, why is everybody else getting gifts? Hello, Christmas. Some of you literally right now, if you said to your family, guys, God told me it's his birthday and he's getting the gifts. I'm giving the $500 towards missions fund so I can give $40 a month for 12 months. Boom, you could take care of a whole entire year's mission pledge because you actually put Jesus first on his birthday. Could you imagine us showing up to your birthday saying, here's a present for Jonathan, here's a present for you, and you're sitting here going, I thought it was my birthday. If anybody's going to celebrate Christmas, just remember Jesus is the reason for the season. So while we're spending money on PlayStations and new clothes and all of that, maybe just pray this month, God, missions is pretty important to you. You love the Philippines. My church is doing something about it. What should I give you this year? Jesus, what do you want? What do I get the person who has everything already? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the gold and diamonds. Doesn't God already own all that? So what do you get the one who has everything he already has? You give him souls. You preach his word to his creation. That's what he told us to do. That's why our tithes are here is to have a great church to do that. And then our mission sends us out. So here's three things. Everybody say three things. Pray, pledge, and provide. That's all we're asking. Just pray this month. Say, God, what, uh, what's the direction you want me to go? And husbands and wives, talk to each other. Say, uh, honey, I know the budget's tight for us, but I feel we could do $35. What do you think, honey? And you pray this week and next week and come to that agreement. Others of you, singles who make it rain with your money, you know, going out all the time, Starbucks and all that, you just need to say, Lord, now how much can I take away from all those things I'm doing and give to you? And God may say, you know what, I want you to give $100. I want you to give $75. I want you to stretch yourself. And so between us as a church... We want, uh, we believe that the offering should be somewhere between sacrifice and your comfort, comfortability. We just think there should be a place right there where you can, you can feel it a little bit. You're like, yeah, this is a sacrifice. This, this means something to me. I feel it when I give. And at the same time, your children aren't having to eat like toast and water for uh, dinner, you know? And and they're like, you know, why am I eating toast and water? Because we gave all the dinner food to the Philippines, you know? And then all of a sudden, like your kids hate the Philippines. You're like, I hate the Philippines because of the philippines i have to eat this every day i don't have any clothes to wear my underwear's dirty mama gave away all the laundry money away no let, let there be a place between sacrifice and your comfort zone where god directs you and we believe that he does that does anybody else believe that amen let us just pray and we'll get ready to receive our tithes and offerings for today and then we can ask the lord to guide us in this um would you come to the keys for me Vinny? Father, we thank you. You put this on our heart about uh, six months ago, and Lord, we started planning. You knew that the uh, people of the Philippines would be needing our help long before we ever planned this trip. And now, Lord, I ask you to speak to your people in this church. Lord, I can relate to uh, having to live off of less than I did uh, in years before because of the economy. Uh, Lord, I used to go snowboarding more. I used to go out to eat more but Lord uh, you've always put in my heart and my family's heart what we can give extra to your kingdom and now Lord I ask without any pressure, without any manipulation without any guilt that every person in this church would uh, join with us and give God so the Philippines can hear your gospel the poor can get fed the devastated can get support and help And the churches there can just grow and prosper. Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts. Guide us. Tell us what we can do. Some of us, Lord, you're going to surprise. Some of us, Lord, we're thinking one number, but you're going to challenge us with another number because you know we have a raise coming. You know we have a promotion coming. You know we have a new job coming. You're going to surprise us by asking us to do it by faith now even before we see it. Others, Lord, we're going to have to stretch our faith so much just to give a dollar, five dollars a month. And others, Lord, you're going to speak to them in their generosity. You're going to share with them that you've been good to them. They have more than enough. And it's time to share. I'm reminded as I pray about a family friend of mine, my dad's protege, the man who bought my dad's business and carries it on. Just adopted two children from Africa. It just blows my mind about how this well to do businessman said, I will share my wealth with the herding around the world. And my part is two children in my home. God, you bless people. And I ask you to do it here. So, Lord, everybody, from those who have so little to those who have so much, to those making great sacrifices, to those just trading Starbucks for missions, whoever we are and wherever we are, God, just speak to us. You know what we're going through. And Lord, now I pray over this congregation that as they give, it will be given back to them, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For with the measure they give, let it be measured back to them. In Jesus' name. Can you stand to your feet and give them a hand clap of praise as you say amen. Amen. Can we put up that scripture? Let's say it together because I believe it. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Will you come rejoicing as you give? Thank you so much today, saints. And remember to pray for this. And we got more of these in the back if you want to grab one. Thank you. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. No pledges. You don't have to write your name on anything just next month. Just give it and mark missions. Can I get a woo woo? Amen. Just remember it's better to give than it is to receive and I hope that you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Anybody have a good Thanksgiving? Amen. Did you eat till you couldn't eat no more? (laughs) Amen. I love Thanksgiving. My uh, sister-in-law and I decided next Thanksgiving we are frying a turkey. So no more dry turkey meat for us. We're going to fry a turkey. And uh, that's just what we're going to try. We're going to set a fire up in the back and just get it on. Maybe something like Chone. I was watching the Cajun Thanksgiving. I don't know if anybody saw, saw that. Swamps Thanksgiving, you know, Cajun Thanksgiving. They took a big wild boar, bur- buried it in the ground, set some fire on top, roasted that thing, and brought it out with crawfish. I was like, yes. I'm going to fry. <laughs> Y'all looking at me, cray-cray. We'll fry a turkey and then dig a pit in the back of my yard and put a wild boar in that thing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, a pit? with a wild boar i guess nobody can relate to that reminds me of pastor ron asking if anybody knows how to plant carrots that's okay we city folk all right uh acts chapter one verse eight as we start a new series revival for revolution let's say it together one two three revival for revolution this changes everything baby This changes everything. Revival to us in this church is not just some cute little thing we talk about. Neither is the word revolution. It is the passion of our heart. We believe if we do what we're supposed to as a church, we can see God's revival and a cultural revolution. This church has a dream to do that. And I believe your heart will be most full when you get in contact with God's kingdom. God said that if you seek first his kingdom, all the other things will be added unto you. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And then we're we'll going to talk a little bit about the things that I've been seeing in our culture and uh, how I think it relates to us. Acts 1 8 is Jesus giving his final words before he ascends to heaven. He says, but you will receive power. Everybody say Power. Thank you when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now Jesus is telling us that we are going to be his witnesses. That his primary call on us is to witness about who he is. And as we look to Matthew 28, we realize that making disciples is a part of that witness. And so today, I want you to look at the culture you live in. And what I mean by culture, I mean your community where you live, the homes around you, the families that are there, the job you work, those that are your co-workers, bosses, uh, your customers. I want you to think about your school that you went to, maybe that you're going to, college or junior high, high school. And I want you to think about the government, our leaders, your aldermens, our mayor here in the city, and governor. Now, this is our culture. Everybody say culture. I believe that the answer to our culture is Jesus Christ and us witnessing to him, a witnessing about him. Now, I, I have to ask you, first of all, because I don't know if some of you are going to be convinced by that. You may think, well, pastor, you know, you're just a pastor. You love Jesus like a baker loves baking food. He may say all Chicago needs is another donut. You think all Chicago needs is another church, you know, and then this currency exchange. They think all we need is another currency exchange. I want to try to convince you of this, if I might. Speak to your mind and your heart that what I'm talking about here really isn't just for us on Sunday. I want to ask you now to look at those places that I just named, where you live, the next-door neighbors, the schools your kids go to, you went to, or are going to, the job, coworkers, customers, government leaders, and those around in leadership. Ask yourself this question. Are things going right? Do they seem like they're going well? Or do things seem like they're a little bit off? How about neighbors? You know snow's going to start coming out. You're going to start shoveling your snow. How many people know that they can get cray-cray about you taking their parking spot in front of their house? What has happened to us? How many know that neighbors in the city of Chicago necessarily don't even, necessar- don't even know each other? Many times you could be living next to people and not even know them. You can be living in an apartment building and no more talk to your downstairs neighbors more than five minutes. As a matter of fact, when I moved out to Elgin and I started talking to people and I had over my friend who I found out lived right down the block that I knew from the city. He's like, hey, you're right by my house. I had him over and I had some of my neighbors over. And you know what he said? He said, I've lived here for 10 years and I've never had one neighbor over to my house. What's happened? In our neighborhoods. How about our schools? When you think about our schools, does it seem like our young people are living up to the standard that young people should be to? Like, do you see young people more doing right than doing wrong? Like if we were to put out a scale and go, here's kids doing what's right. Here's kids doing what's wrong. Does it look like the right side is winning? Does it look like we're getting more right uh, actions out of our children? How about when we look to the businesses? And to our coworkers, when you're on your job, do you tend to see people that are saying, I'll go the extra mile, I'll do this for my customer, I won't complain, I won't talk about them behind their back, I'll give services beyond what they're paying for, and uh, I'll support my boss, I won't be uh, uh, you know, an ignoramus to him, I'll be humble. Do we see that kind of attitude on our jobs? From Starbucks to, uh, you know, wherever you may work in a hospital or a public school? Or do you see people complaining, uh, talking about how they don't like the customers and how they don't like a job or a certain thing about their boss? I mean, let's just be honest, whether it's the post office or wherever you're working, do you see a sense of camaraderie on your jobs? Do you see that people are excited to be on their job? They're supporting their bosses. They're, They're there fulfilling a purpose in their life. Or do you see complaining backbiting, gossiping. What do you see on your job? And then when we talk about our government and our leaders, when you look to your governmental leaders, just even me saying the name governmental leaders, do you think to yourself, great role models? People that I would love for my children to grow up and be like. I would love for my children to be like Governor Bogoyovich, who's serving time in jail. right? I mean, this is almost an obvious one. Not to say all governmental leaders are like this, but when you look at our governmental leaders, do you go, yeah, they're, they're pretty righteous. I mean, nobody's perfect, but they're probably more righteous than corrupt. Is that what you think? or do you think probably no no you know it just seems like chicago politics has a reputation that it's probably earned it's all over the news how we do things here you got to give a little bit of this you know a little bit of money why is it now let's okay let's take this all together are, oh, let me, I forgot to say this because your community actually starts with your family. When you, when you look at your family, not just your children, but also your parents, your uncles, your aunts, whoever you see at Thanksgiving, whoever you're going to spend time with at Christmas, do you see a sense of, yeah, we're all basically living for God here? We're all basically getting along. We're all basically honoring the Lord. When you all get together, is that the impression you get of your family is, hey, my family's pretty good with God right now, and we we have a great bond going on here. Or do you see somebody, uh, you know, uh, the family members having to hide the knives before everybody gets there because if it gets cray-cray around dinner time, nobody grabbing the knives this time, you know. Hello. Now you put it all together. This is our culture. This is our society. Ask yourself now as a whole, personally, is it more right or is it more wrong? I just dare to say that it's more wrong. It just seems like it's not right. It just seems like from getting along on the train or the bus, it's not right. It just seems like with our children going to school, something's not right. When you go to a business or you interact with people on the job, it just seems like there's something not right. When you get together at family reunions and you see your family, there's always things that just aren't right. When you look to your government and you look to the help they're supposed to be giving and the stability, it just seems like it's not right. It seems like the Bible is true when it says we live in a fallen world and our heart is actually crying out for the Garden of Eden. That's why we have a kind of Uh, thermometer on the inside of us that allows us to gauge what I just said. When you looked at the young people in your mind and you thought about average Chicago young people, there was like a thermometer on the inside of you. More wicked, more righteous. That on the inside of you is a God given conscience. And you know that it's not right. You know when it's not right. And God put that there. Why? Because you were initially human race, the human being was initially created to live in the garden of eden you are supposed to wake up and go i love my job yes you were supposed to say i love my wife and kids and they're all pleasing unto god we were supposed to be able to look to our leaders and say these men represent the same values that i have and so when we don't have this we know it's missing now before i even get into the message i want to ask you a question because I'm trying to convince you of this before I even preach it, because I don't want you to say he's just talking about church stuff, and you know, we just need more churches, like the baker says we need more bakeries. No, I want you to be honest with yourself now. What is the answer in all of those areas for making wrongs right? What is the mother going to do for their children going to Chicago Public School? Just tell them, Uh, don't do drugs, don't kill anybody, and don't join a gang, don't have sex before marriage. Is, Is that the solution, just a parent just giving them a list of don'ts? Is the solution paying public school teachers more? And I'm not going to get into politics here, but I just want to give the example. What is the solution? Is it more money towards the government? Does more money make things better? America, by the way, is the wealthiest nation in the world. We have the streets, you know, that you can go from one coast to the other. We have a civil government order. You know what I'm talking about if you've ever traveled. There may be places that have more beauty, but we have the best civil government. We have the highest, like, average income of the whole North and South America. There's a few small European states that have a couple million that have a little bit higher than us. But in the known world, we're the richest, most wealthiest, greatest freedom. How has it worked? We still see the meter going towards wickedness, don't we? If you cannot think of a solution outside of God, then now you are where I'm at. As a pastor, my job is to instruct you. I only have an hour every week, but it's my job to get you to look to the Bible so that you, when you leave out here and you live out your other 167 hours of your week, you'll be able to see a purpose in life. You'll be able to see a way that you make wrong things right. Now, where does it start? It starts first in here. You first receive transformation right here. You are either right now frustrated with yourself, you have become your worst enemy, you're disappointed with how you lead in your family or how you are with your parents, you you are either disobedient towards God like that, or you are a saved, born-again Christian. So the turmoil starts and stops based upon, or stops, uh, and, and the new life starts based upon your ability to accept Jesus. So if you accept Jesus, what has happened? Transformation has come to you. Now there is one place, one person that has experienced a total way of thinking, a total way of living. Has anybody been born again here? Amen. Now if we do this in our family, husbands, wives, children, now we can say revival or something, awakening happens here. And then if we pray for our extended family and we live it out through them and they make that choice, Now it affects the family. Now it affects our neighbors. Now it affects our businesses, our schools, our government. Help me think of this before I move on. In 1950, did not Americans own guns? Ask yourself that question. Did Americans own guns in 1950? Did not kids actually in the South come to school with a shotgun rack in the back of their pickup to the very school they went to in the 1950s? But why didn't anybody shoot a school in 1950? Why didn't any of these country boys take off the gun and start shooting up a school? Why didn't any of the people who carried guns all throughout uh, the last, you know, 50 years from 1950, 60, why didn't anybody go into a school and shoot anybody with their gun? Why is it only up until the late 90s that people had had it in their mind to now take a gun and shoot up a school, like a Newtown, like a Columbine? What changed? Did guns change? What changed? People's hearts. You see, what happened was over time, they changed their values. Okay, let me ask you a question. Did people dance in the 50s? Anybody dance? You see the videos? You know, uh, let's do the twist. Come take me by my little hand, right? And go like this. Did anybody twerk half naked like Miley Cyrus? No, but you you could have. Did they have bodies? Did they have dance floors? Why wouldn't anybody be that perverse in public? Now, there was perversion and there was violence, but I'm trying to get you to understand, why is it now it is so pervasive? Why is violence so pervasive? Why is corruption so pervasive? Why have these things seemed to have gotten worse? Why? is because we have changed as a culture. The things that we used to say were not okay. The things that our grandparents said, I'm not okay with. I am bothered by this. And by the way, let me pause here. It's all nationalities. It's every nationality has seen the same degrading of their beliefs. And it doesn't even matter what part of the world you're from. It seems like once you come to America and you see the temptation, you see all nationalities going down the same road. You might have came from a traditional country where you got married when you had children and you stayed married. But then once they, mar- once they moved here, now you see that cultural group, like I'm speaking specifically of Latin Americans, now you see them taking the same degradation, the same nosedive that we as Americans been doing before they came. You see it in all cultures. It's like we were this way when we lived where we lived, but now we're here and we can't figure out what's going on. Well, the reason is, is because the culture has changed. And when we talk about a cultural attitude, you can think about it like a team spirit. So for example, let's say you're at a Bears game. And you're not, see, I would go to Cubs game. Let me use the Cubs example, okay? So I would go to a Cubs game. I don't really know much about baseball. I'm not even really like a Cubs fan. But like all of a sudden, they hit a home run. Like everybody's standing up and cheering. It's like you are compelled to get up and start cheering. It's it's like, peer pressure on a whole nother level does anybody know what i'm talking about like i just remember going with people that they were doing the chance you know and all these things and i'm like doing it with them and i am not that guy i i don't care about sports i don't really get into it like that but i just noticed i i went with that attitude and before I know it, I was just as crazy as everybody else. You know, you get to the last inning, they're losing or whatever, and you stand up with them in the last inning. Come on, you're screaming and shouting, you're making... And I'm just like thinking to myself, why am I even doing this? I, I don't even care about these guys. I don't, even, I don't even care. But I'm screaming and hollering like I care. And I guarantee you that if my friends consistently wanted to go, by the end of the season, I'd probably be going there topless with a big C on my chest... With a cub, you know, bear looking like a bear face and a half naked guy with a C screaming and shouting, being that guy on the Megatron because it would just seem so normal. It would just, hey, you're a fan. We're extreme fans. And that's what extreme fans do. How did homosexuality get to be where it is today? How, why is it everybody now stands and cheers and claps? How did abortion go from being something that, if you know, even to this, this to this day, uh, mothers have a miscarriage and they weep and they cry and they're broken and the dreams are shattered and and they we've had to go through it in this church and they have to get healed and be encouraged to try again. How is it now people stand and applaud like Planned Parenthood and say they've slaughtered fifty million children and we're so happy for them? Uh, we're so happy for homosexuals now that they can marry and it's, it's wrong to not let them marry because, you know, they have rights too. And if you say they can't marry, somehow now you're the bigot, you're, you're the social uh, misfit, right? How did it change so much? You see, what happened was we lost our values. And this sermon series is meant to be a time and a place where we get those values restored. Because when Jesus sent us out into the world, he said, I want you to be my witnesses. And that I'll give you power in every place you go to be my witness. So think about you being a witness of Christ on your job. That should make a difference. People should know you don't complain you don't talk about your boss behind their back you work hard to please your customer you come early you stay late why because you're a representative of Christ Jesus When you're in your family and husbands and wives are living together, you shouldn't be yelling at your children and screaming and hollering and saying, this is how I was raised, so I'm going to raise you that way. You should be raising your children based on the word of God, teaching them that this is the kind of family that they want because you're a witness, a representative of Christ. And then when we come to vote, we may not agree upon everything, but when we come to vote as a culture, we'll vote into law the things that represent how we believe. We believe abortion is a sin, so it should be outlawed in our nation. We don't, we don't want to prohibit homosexuals from their behavior. We don't want to take away their right to choose sexuality, but we want to make sure that marriage stays defined as one man and one wife. And then when it comes to violence and to to the things of our city, we don't want to take guns away from good people because good people have always had guns, didn't shoot up schools. We just want to have a penal system that penalizes the people who do use their guns to murder someone instead of getting out in 10 years to do it again and again. Now, this is where I get ready to preach, and I have to ask you, do you believe this is the answer? Being Jesus' witness. Because if you don't, write it down and give me your answer later. I mean, I'm being honest with this. And I'll just say it one more time before I get into this. If you don't think what I'm saying is the answer, give me the answer. Uh, by the way, study out Germany in the history of communism. Some people said, well, communism is the answer. Having a fuhrer, one man in charge, a dictator is the answer. Talk to people from Cuba and see how well that's worked out. It, communism is not the answer. I have many Muslim friends and I love the Islamic community. They think the Sharia law is the answer. But ask anybody living in the Sharia law. In Saudi Arabia, women can't even get their driver's license. You're not even allowed to go into certain parts of Mecca, uh, of to Saudi Arabia, unless you are a Muslim. And then you look at their economies, the more they succeed, the more they stop being like uh, Sharia law, taking Dubai, for example. They don't operate under the moral restrictions. They operate under the principles of freedom. And let me just say this, because sometimes people get accused... Uh, We as Christians get accused of saying uh, because we believe in freedom that we believe in all types of uh, wicked behavior. Let me help you understand this. Freedom does not allow people to break laws. Freedom just gives people the, the freedom of choice to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. We still have to have laws against murder and all of these different things. So we can't say, well, America's free so I can go and kill people. Does everybody get that? And then in America, we can't say, well, because we believe in God, now everybody else has to believe in God. And we'll talk about that during our worldview sermon. I'm going to have a sermon on worldviews and tell you why it's a Christian thing to not have a Christian nation. Because until Jesus comes back, if we try to rule a nation as Christians based only in our Bible, we will end up always oppressing people. And that's what happens in Sharia-run countries. No matter how hard they try, they always end up suppressing the other religion. That's why until Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom, we give people freedoms to vote, we give them freedoms to make choices, but we make laws that give them uh, the parameters of those choices. Is everybody with me? Okay, and I'll talk about that when we get to worldviews. And by the way, I forgot to mention this, lifechangingdevotions.com, this whole month is on these sermon series. I'm talking about all of these things, Christian worldviews, standing against abortion, homosexuality, corporate greed, standing up against uh, violence in our schools, pornography, it's all there. I believe you'll be encouraged this month. Can I get an amen? Let me give you some definitions Number one, spiritual revival It's a Holy Spirit inspired awakening And returning of the church to their first love for God And a self-sacrificing love for people That impacts the community With salvation and community transformation Look quickly with me to a, um, Hosea 6, 1 through 3 I don't have time to get in all these scriptures As you're turning there Uh, One of the things that I kind of want to adjust in your thinking about revival, for many of us who are spiritual people who love the Bible, uh, you may have a view of revival that's not actually in the Bible. And let me help you understand this. If you think revival is just us going to prayer meetings and having more worship services and prophesying, you're not understanding what revival is. Revival is first an awakening of the church there would be no need for revival if the church wasn't backslid. And that's why it's not necessarily a New Testament concept, because within the time of the New Testament, they're on fire. It's only towards the end in John's letter of revelation that he begins to say some of them now have become lukewarm. Some of them now are backsliding. But if you look at the normal pattern of the book of Acts, the normal pattern of the church is always moving forward, staying on fire, and keeping the commands of God. So that's the first thing i want us to understand it's not just a prayer meeting or doing more and more services it's living to the standards of god and those who are not doing it need to do it so it's not like let's just scream and holler and have revival right now no it's changed your life and align it to the word of god and then you will experience revival Period. Then the second thing is a lot of times we think about revival as something that changes the community and makes the difference. Revival itself doesn't change the community. Revival changes the church. What changes the community is the fruit of revival, which we could call a revolution, or just simply discipleship. That's what transforms the community. So it doesn't matter how awesome our church services are here, and even if we had a lot more people coming and being excited about God, that's still not the fruit of revival that because I went to the Brownsville revival in Florida and they had over a million people come throughout five years. You'd have to wait in line in the parking lot to get into the service because there were so many people coming. You'd have to wait in line. It was awesome. God was moving. But when I went to the grocery store or, or rather the uh, gas station and to the uh, the Denny's and we went into the neighborhood, nobody was getting transformed by what was going on in that building. And that was one of the downsides of what they call the revivals all it was was a bigger and bigger church service like going to a conference no revival has to then move from just here to out there and we call that a revolution okay so but look at hosea or excuse me um it is hosea chapter 6 it says come let us return to the lord he has torn us to pieces he will heal us who has injured us who has injured us what does it say there so who has injured us and who is he God, He has injured us, but He will bind up our wounds. After two days, He will revive us. On the third day, He will restore us that we may live in His presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge Him. As surely as the sun rises, He will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. How do you think that applies to the church of America, to the jobs of America, to our culture? What do you think that means? Go back to the verse 1. What does it mean? Somebody shout out what that means. Somebody's mumbling it. Shout out what that means. Turn to the Lord. What's another thing it tells us to do? Look at verse 3. What does it say? Acknowledge Him. Is it saying just go to church 20 times a week? Is it saying go on your job and speak in tongues and be goofy? No, no, it's, it's saying go to verse 1, please, so we can see verse 1 and 3 together. It says come to Jesus, return to Jesus, and acknowledge him. That's how it starts. That's how our hearts get warmed by God again. And so on your job, you need to acknowledge God. You don't have to say to everybody, let's have a prayer meeting. Just in your heart, God. I acknowledge you here. Make me the best at what I do. Let my values, let my honesty, let my integrity, let my service, let, let my customers, let everybody know that this is what I do and who I do it for. In your family, we acknowledge God. What's a good way to do that? You pray before every meal. Let's say you take a moment, you stop and pray. Then what's going to come natural to your heart? It should Come natural than to talk about God in the things of God. See, there's a practical way to acknowledge God. How about another way? Praying for your children as you put them to bed or husbands and wives praying before bed. What does it do again? It acknowledges God. It acknowledges our life is for Him and then it re centers us at the end of the day that it, you know, if we got off track, it re centers us, focuses us again on God. Now look at cultural revolution. It's the inward turning of a society's value system. Please put up uh, the notes. The inward turning of a society's value system to the commands of God, resulting in the forsaking of sin for the righteousness of God in the culture as a whole. That's what we say God is able to do. Uh, He might be stuck there, but put that cultural revolution up. And by the way, the notes are on Facebook as well and the website. When we are saying revival happens in us, what we should then be looking for is a culture around us changing. I can speak for myself. When I got right with God, my family began to change. This in our home. Because they were Christians and I wasn't. There was always conflict. When I now became a Christian, guess what? There wasn't as much conflict. Then I began to notice that I hung around different friends, and the friends that I started hanging around, we actually started doing positive things like feeding the community, feeding the inner city. We would encourage each other. We would help hurting people. You see, within just a moment, a a few months of my life, I was already transforming things around me. My family was changing. My job was changing. They knew I wouldn't curse anymore. I wouldn't steal or lie anymore. My friends were changing. I was actually inspired. Inspiring other people to do good things. That's what happens. That's what happens through us in the world we live in. Is that the same way the homosexual agenda said, let's change the way a culture thinks. They said, let's put our homosexuals on TV, and let's have them be normal and goofy and and, and like Ellen DeGeneres and be quirky and likable, and let's put them here in these places so that when the society looks at them, they don't think about a drag queen on Bourbon Street or Boys Town. They think of someone like this, and this is how they are. And it started transforming our thinking. And before you know it, ah! You're standing and cheering just like at the Cubs game and you don't even know why. Just like how the abortion industry, it wasn't a majority vote that changed abortion, made it a law in our country. It was them pushing a law through in the Supreme Court. The majority of people were against abortion. But they said, oh, we feel compassion for a woman that's been raped and is forced to have the child. We'll, we'll sell abortion as if it's just that once in a lifetime or maybe you'll see it in a family member type thing. But once it got pushed through, people began to see how they could use abortion as uh, uh, you know, child planning and, and to use abortion as birth control. And of course, all of it's wrong. But before you know it, you now have Christian so-called Christian people standing up going this is wonderful you see if a child if a person is raped they don't have to have a child see they can have an abortion you know uh if they don't want a girl you can you can select the kind of gender you want now in our country you can know the gender around you know the the second trimester before 20 weeks and you can go oh that's a girl oh well I already have enough girls kill my child you can do it and now we applaud President Obama actually said, God bless parent, Planned Parenthood. He blessed them like they were doing a civil work, like like he was a, he's championing their cause. And how do we get to the point where it's like both times President Obama gets voted in like by a landslide. In Chicago, they rush out to Grand Park and cheer him on. We're so happy for you, President Obama. Oprah Winfrey's crying a tear. We're so happy for the America that you want to change and believe in what happened? Well, you see here that we no longer have a church that's awakened. We don't have people that have a conscience anymore that are operating by the word of God, and therefore nothing changes. The Christians don't change their culture. Come on, you know better than that. You don't change your job. Your boss changed you, didn't he? Gets you to take off when he tells you to take off. Tells you to not come in on Sundays. You follow your boss. You don't stand up to him like David, like Daniel did lions, uh, tigers and all this. You know, lions, tigers. Uh, Daniel stood up before a king and said, I'll pray when I pray and you won't do anything about it. And yet there's people in this church that let their boss for a part-time job just whistle them like a little slave and tell them to miss church. And Well, I got to miss church now. You're my boss. You're my Lord. I submit to you instead of the command of God. Come on, Christians don't influence society. You know that. Ask any teenager, name for me four or five books of the Bible. They can't. Ask them to name four or five musicians that they love, four or five sports players that they love. That's who influences our young people, not even the parents. Parents have been duped into believing I'm doing good by sending them to school and then to college, but you have no idea on the college campus, the place you are dreaming for your children to go, they're transforming their whole mind against the very principles you've taught them in the Bible. Frank Turek, who wrote the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, tells the story of a girl raised in youth group in church, was a youth leader, and within the first semester of college, she lost her faith. Because the place the parent was paying for her child, the, the, the parent was paying for his child to go, taught the child his values at the expense of his money, and changed her heart. You see, we've gotten so far from uh, the understanding that church can change culture that it's actually laughable. You would more rather listen to Oprah Winfrey. You would more rather listen to Bill Maher. You would more rather listen to Howard Stern. You would more rather watch a show that represents something trashy of this world than represents Christ. And when I say you, I'm speaking through you to your friends in this culture. We have allowed the world to rape, pillage our influence into when, just as an indication that we're a sleeping giant in America, the Christians are, just when something like Duck Dynasty pops out, we all run to them like they're our saviors. Like, woo, Duck Dynasty. And you know why it's so big? Maybe not here, but in the South. You want to know why it's so big? Because it's finally a show without cussing and talks about God and family. Like, there's a concept. Finally, something that's not about the Jersey Shore, something that's not about the housewives of Orange County, something that's not about this. Or that. We, we, just, we, we have a family, they love God, they pray, and they seem to be doing good in life. That's awesome. We've come so far from that that now uh, they're almost like uh, like aliens from another planet. Like, oh, my gosh, you waited to have sex before you got married? Oh, my gosh, you, you believe in the Bible? Like, oh, oh my gosh, you actually have a good business? You're millionaires? Wow, this is so unheard of. We thought Christians were dumb and stupid. Oh, we didn't think you guys knew how to do anything. The ones that I see come in late, they complain, and then shout hallelujah on Sundays. I don't see them changing jack. And here you're willing to do the thing. They, they said to them, A&E said to them, we need to make this show more raunchy or more edgy uh, to get viewers. And they said, uh, we need you to cuss and lighten up a little bit. And they said, we don't cuss. And, they, and you can hear this from the main guy. He, they said, we're going to start beeping out some of your words just to make it look like you're cussing. True story. True story. He tells the story. You can listen to this. Uh, email me on Facebook. I'll give it to you. Number three, receive power. To change a culture, you have to have power. You just don't change a culture by your words. You don't just say to your friend, hey, well, I go to church. He's going to go, hey, I slap people who go to church. What's the difference, you know? Oh, I, I don't go to church. You go to church, I go. We're going to do arm wrestle about it now. Who's better? No, there has to be Power. If you're going to say to your coworker, hey, I serve Jesus, they're going to say, I don't. What's the difference? You need to now have a power that stands out from their life. Power is what Jesus promised at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, evidence of speaking in other tongues. Did you know that when you, let me just read the definition, speaking in other tongues would give us the power and ability to bring transformation through the message of Jesus. Uh, look at Zechariah 4, 6 as, as I'm sharing this, and I'm going to close here really quick. I shouldn't lie. I'm going to be closing soon. (laughs) I'm closing soon. When you think about power, we think of money. Our culture translates power to money. If I say Apple is a powerful company, what do you think I just said? They're a rich company. If I said Bill Gates is a real powerful man, what did you just translate me saying? Right? But is that what God's talking about? When God says he's going to give you power, does he say I'm going to give you money, and by money you're going to transform the world? Money is going to do it. But isn't that the way we think of it in this world? More money, and I can have more power. More money equals more power. That's not power. Because if power came by money, then those who had money and the nations that had money would have the greatest quality of life here. And you don't see that. You don't see a Donald Trump living the kind of life that you would want to live. He's already on his third marriage. He doesn't have power to have a happy family. Everybody looks to Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil's children married strippers and playmates. Do you want your children to be like Dr. Phil? Oprah Winfrey doesn't have enough power to marry Stedman but lives together in a shack-in relationship because she lacks the ability to trust and have power to be a wife and a mother. But yet she influences tens of millions of wives and mothers, yet she's neither. She's powerless. And yet when we say Oprah Winfrey is a powerful woman, we think that's because she has money. No, Oprah Winfrey in our culture is a weak woman. It doesn't matter if she shows up to a business table and can make a billion dollar That that doesn't mean power. Otherwise, we should just stop playing with Oprah Winfrey and say the emperor of China is powerful then. Or we should say the leader of Cuba is powerful or the leader of Iran. If we're going to translate power to mean those things, then dictators are the best of all people. See that thinking? You see where it goes? But no, power is not something that you have in dollars and cents. The devil is not threatened by money. Go to that, uh, please, uh, Zephaniah 4.6. The devil is not threatened by our money. Look at what it says here. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Acts 1.8 says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, power will come on you. So we're not having might and power of ourselves by money, government, voting ability. We're having the might and power of God through the Holy Spirit. The might and power of God destroys the things of this world and is going to rule and reign in this world. Do you know that every kingdom in this world is going to pass away? By the Spirit of God. Do you know that every world leader is going to bow their knee before Jesus Christ? Think about that. Every world leader is going to bow their knee before Jesus Christ. That's power. Every demon in hell is going to profess Jesus Christ as Lord and bow their knee before him. So now ask yourself the question, do you have power to bring change to this community? Yes or no? By Christ you do. So why is your school the way it is? Come on. Why is your job the way it is? Why is my community the way it is? Why is my city the way it is? Does God lack power? One prophet went to Nineveh, and the entire place changed. You remember Jonah and the whale? When he got out of that whale and started preaching, the entire country changed. There was an Assyrian country. There was Assyria, and the capital was Nineveh. He called a countrywide revival, a returning to God's ways, this pagan king, and they repented to serve God for a generation until the Lord had to punish them because they didn't listen. One prophet changed a nation. When we look to the book of Acts, I don't have time to read it, but under the cultural revolution, I have Acts chapter 8 and Acts 19. The Bible says when these disciples started preaching on the streets, when they started making disciples and people received it, at one place in Ephesus, they gave up all of their witchcraft and they tallied it up. Do you know how much they threw away that day of witchcraft? Over $7 million dollars worth of goods of witchcraft. Ephesus was changed in one encounter with the disciples coming to that city. As a matter of fact, when you study Western civilization, the church overcame the Roman empire and made the entire Roman nation a then Christian nation. Right now, there are nations that used to be Muslim that are now turning towards Christianity. Like Nigeria, used to be a majority of Muslims, now it's turning towards Christianity, and they're trying to even kill the Christians there, yet the Christians are getting into leadership, they're being fair and offering freedom, and there's a revival sweeping forth. China is seeing a revival, not through its governmental leaders, but through the underground church. They estimate almost 100 million Christians are there, and it's changed. Changing the way people think in that nation. But what's happened to America? We've stopped relying upon the spirit and we rely upon our money. We rely upon our wisdom. We rely upon man's ways. But he said, it's not by men's wisdom and philosophy that does it, but by the power of God. Number four, Christ's witnesses. Ordinary disciples making known the message of the gospel with the extraordinary power of God. Okay, let's just go over what we talked about. Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses in all the world. While we do that, there's going to be a spiritual revival on the inside of us. We're going to have a sense of God that we know who he is and we're his children. By living that way, it's going to change people's lives. As we're doing that, we're doing it by the power of God. That power of God is what makes us witnesses. And then how long do we do it for? Somebody say to the ends of the earth. We continue this process of making disciples that make disciples to the ends of the earth. Now, you and I have a choice, and I'm going to end with this. Uh, Rachel, would you come to the keys, please? I want to end with this. Do you like things the way they are? Steve, do you like things the way they are? Do you like your city the way it's run? Do you like what's going on with young people? Do you like how co-workers view their life, family, job? Ish? Do you like the way it is? Vinny? So what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Now I could stand here as a pastor and go, let's just pray more. Y'all want to do Let's just pray more. But you know who loves that? The devil loves that we're just going to hide here and just pray for a long time it doesn't change anything unless we take what we're praying outside of these doors. Is prayer a part of what I'm talking about? Absolutely. But we just don't stay here and pray more. You have to do it now. And you have to do it by the power of God. And you have to believe that this is the answer. If you're saying to yourself, well... You know, this may not be all the answer, I'm pretty convinced, you know, what Oprah's saying, you know, if we get better teachers, and if we get better police officers, and you know, these kind of social ideas, I hear Jesse Jackson and push coalition, I think maybe they got the answer for the south side, or you know what, this Obama, he's kind of failed us, but you know what, if Hillary Clinton, the first first woman president, boy, that that will change America. See, if there's anything in your mind that you think is a better solution at the end of the day when push comes to shove you're going to step away from Christianity's solution step away from Jesus's and you're going to trade yours in because it's always going to be easier it's easier to go to your job and say I think like this I think like this I agree we should give homosexuals the right to marry I agree abortions okay okay now let's try to make better families we've just destroyed what a family is by killing our children and allowing homosexuals to marry but somehow we're going to Ask for good families now in our country. We don't even you wouldn't even know what a family was if it hit you on the head. Dr. Brown was interviewing a man in Hawaii as they were trying to go through the same-sex marriage thing, and he asked the man, he said, Okay, so two men should be able to marry. He goes, Yeah, he goes, Why not three men? Why why does the number two stick out in your mind? And he goes, Well, I don't even know why two matters. You know, you can do whatever. He said, You know why two matters is because a man and a woman make a child. That's why it's two, and it's always been two. Not to mention the Bible says it, but it's just common sense. And then the guy, you know, instead of just letting rational thought come to his mind and go, well, marriage represents, you know, reproduction and families. Yeah, I guess that would make sense. You know what he goes? And pride. Well, I don't care then. Let anybody marry whoever they want to marry. Let three men marry one man, three women. Let as many people marry whoever they want to marry. And then he said back to him, which was so true, by doing that, calling everything marriage, you've destroyed what marriage is. If you call everything that thing and it's not in common, you've def- destroyed the definition. If I say this is a chair, this is a chair, that's a chair, this is a chair, then a chair doesn't exist anymore. If I say this is marriage, that is marriage, you destroy the definition of what a thing is. This is red, this is red, this is red. Okay, well then what thing is red then? But yeah, we don't have sense to think that way. We spend billions of dollars sending rovers. Think about this. Your country, your nation sends billions of dollars to send rovers to Mars to look for life in the most smallest cellular ways. And yet we have life right here in a mother's womb And they'll kill it and call it a thing Not even anything Let them find, let them find one amoeba, one cell in, in Mars And they'll bring that thing down and worship it like it was a golden calf And yet they'll kill babies by the tens of millions And say this is not even a baby It's because it's foolishness Now I want to ask you a question These are five questions that will reveal your heart If you're going to be serious this month Because to me, as your pastor, I'm not here to tap dance and entertain you. I'm here to turn you on to the Word of God. Go back to the Word of God and see if what I've told you is true. Just read it. I mean, if there's something different I missed, let me know. Number one, do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself? Because that's the person I need to talk to. If you're not the kind of person that says, I want to love God with everything, and I want to love God as my neighbor, as myself, then you're the kind of person I need to reach, not the one I need to reach people with. And that's okay if you're here. We're glad you're here. We want to reach you. But I'm t- assuming most here are already claiming to be Christians in some way, especially even after our altar call that we give before I preach every time. So the question is this very simple. Like, do you want to love God with everything? And do you want to prefer your neighbor above yourself? That's a big question. Number two, are you fully obedient to all the commands of God? So like as a starting place, we're not talking about women wearing makeup and haircut and things people have added to the Bible. We're just talking about the Bible, black and white. Galatians chapter 5 says the deeds of the flesh, the things we shouldn't be doing are obvious and the things of the spirit are obvious. So it's like, are you against sexual immorality, adultery and fornication and bitterness and envy and outbursts of anger and drunkenness and witchcraft and, you know, jealousy and, and, and all of these things? Are you against that? And are you for love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? Like, do you and I obey God's commands? Number three, let me just pause here. I'm so disgusted with many of the churches today that, that all we're talking about is how to make you more and more happy. But we're not talking about the commands of God, lest we should offend you or keep you too long so you don't come back. And then we wonder why you're just as jacked up as when you come, as when you go. My friends, you're going to have to spend some time in the Word. You're going to have to give church at least the same amount of time you give Thor. You're going to have to give God just as much time, if not more, than what you give your sporting events, than what you give shopping on Black Friday, crazy people lining up to get into a building. Waiting hours, but don't keep me too long in church. You see, this is not going to happen here, but it discourages me when I see that's what's going on and then you have this option like, well, I don't have to go here. I'll go down over there, but listen to me. It doesn't change God's commands. Just because you met a person that doesn't believe in gravity doesn't mean gravity doesn't exist. And I just say this. I won't mention the person's name, but they are a dear friend in this church. And some of you who know him know what I'm talking about. We need to pray for them. I said, how is your your mother doing? And he said, well, my mom goes to a new church because I know she used to go to another church. That It's a good church. But she left that church. And I said, what kind of church does she go to? Well, they have a lesbian pastor. It's a liberal church. It just broke my heart. It's been on my heart all this week. And I've just been thinking to myself, God, what's going on? People that used to go to good churches now will sit under a, the Bible calls this obviously a sin. It's a sin be no different sitting under a church where a pastor goes this is my wife and these are my two girlfriends adultery is a sin homosex does everybody get what i'm talking and it just broke my heart do we want to live right number three when you sin and break one of god's commands are you quick to repent and change your mind and behavior See, this is where we get away from this idea of having more church and calling it revival, shouting louder, calling it revival, because I've been a part of those things, and I've watched people then go to the store, uh, you know, go, go, go out to the restaurant, and they're perverse in their heart, they break God's commands, and they really don't care because they think if they come to a good church, that somehow makes them good. Even if you come to metro Praise or churches like ours, that doesn't make you right with God. What makes you right with God is that you love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You love your neighbor as yourself. You're obeying His commands, and when you sin, you repent and you actually mean it. Number four, do you completely submit your family, career, finances, ministry? Listen to the perfect will of God. Do you know that there's such thing as the perfect will of God? Just put up Romans twelve one through two and close in closing here. Do you know that in everything you do, there's a such thing called the perfect will of God? There is the perfect way to go home today and have dinner with your family and make it right. There's a perfect way to go to your job tomorrow. And you may say, I'm not perfect. That ain't no excuse. There's still a perfect will. And God expects you to live by it. And you may say, well, no, I get to get away with it sometimes. So you got the wrong heart then. There is forgiveness for those who ask for it, but it's those who are saying, I still want the perfect will. It's not the one living with their girlfriend saying, forgive me for having sex with her, but yet you wake up and do it again and do it again. You don't mean you're sorry. That, that God can't bless that thinking. Look at Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, if you have God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So worship is not just what we do here. It's what we do with our bodies out there. And it says, this is the true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Wait till I get into worldviews next time. Because there's a pattern in your mind, many of your minds, and you don't even know where that pattern came from. Like, for example, there may be a pattern in some of your minds that church is not supposed to be like this, but you got a pattern that didn't come from the Bible. Church is supposed to be like this. This is church. Okay, I ain't got time for that. But to be renewed, transformed in your mind, then, look at everybody, say them. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and what? Do you want to test it? How many would like to go on a test drive of a Ferrari? How about testing out God's perfect will this week? Hey, God, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to have the perfect. I I want to go by your perfect will. And I'm going to have a heart for that. And Lord. Hey, if I ever get off, you let me know. If I ever come off that track, if I ever take a wrong turn, you let me know. But Lord, I want your perfect will. I want your perfect will in my family. I want it on my job. I want it in my city. I want it with my neighbors. I want it wherever I go. Your perfect and good and pleasing will. Hallelujah. And then lastly, number five, here's the one that's going to make the difference, I believe. And God had me put it in here, and I thought it was a weird question, but I think it's the one that makes the difference, is do you fear God more than man's opinions, death itself, and personal embarrassment? Are you willing to say, I fear God more than being embarrassed? You don't think I've been embarrassed? I remember one time being at Mardi Gras, and I was preaching and having fun, and then a child, a grandchild of a Holocaust victim, you know, his grandparents, a great-grandparent, somebody had died in the Holocaust. He was drunk, and he grabbed me. He embarrassed me in front of everybody. I mean, he was so loud, it grew a crowd. He was like, tell me where my grandparents went. You're talking about heaven and hell. My mother was a, My grandmother was a Jew. She never believed in Jesus, but she died in a holocaust. He was embarrassing me, being loud and screaming, where did she go? Tell me, did she go to hell? And it looked like he was going to punch me, man. But I just said what God said. I said, man, I don't know about your relative, but I know what the Bible says. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And I want to tell you that day, because any you know, anytime you can say I'm willing to do something like that, but until you have to stand in front of your boss and say, listen, Sundays mean a lot to me. What? Listen, listen, listen. This guy's telling us he needs Sunday off for church. What are you going to do then when your boss puts you on the spot like that? Yep, sorry, boss. This is what I believe. Well, what about in front of your family? You're at a family reunion, something, you know, Christmas, you know, you're telling me, you know, some gay friend or gay family member, lesbian cousin, you have, you're have. you telling me I'm going to hell? We all think you're crazy anyway, you know. What are you going to do when your personal embarrassment is on the line? Do you know that people have given their life? Listen to me. People have given their life for the language I'm speaking right now. Just the, just, just, and I'm not even talking about the homosexual abortion stuff. I'm talking about people have given their life in Iran right now. There's even a pastor in jail because he has said Muhammad is not a prophet. He is not a prophet and he's in jail and people have been put to death just for saying things like that why should you and I expect to change a culture in any different of a way the only way we're going to change a culture is if we stop listening and believing what the culture is telling us if we stop looking for their approval and start looking for the approval of God that's the only way we're going to change a culture is if we say I want God's approval not man's approval, amen let's stand to our feet and just give God a hand clap come on let's just thank Him Lord we thank you, use us for your glory would you just pray with me right now that God would use you If you can, just raise up your hands and say, God, use me. Hallelujah. Lord, start a revival in my heart. Lord, do it in me. Bring me back to the place where I'm 100% right with you, where I'm loving you, keeping your commands, repenting of that which is wrong, where I fear you more than man's opinion. Come on, hands raised, hearts lifted up, voices loud. God, we want you to use us. Start in us today, God. We want a spiritual revival for a cultural revolution. God, send forth your people here to their jobs, to their families, to acknowledge you, to learn from you everywhere they go. And God, as they do, bless them. It may look weird to this world. It may look small in the eyes of man. But God, what you start here and do through your church can change a city, a country, the world. Somebody has to be the first in their family to stand for righteousness. Let it be them. Somebody has to be the first at their lunch table, the young people, to stand for righteousness. Let it be them. Somebody has to be the first on their job to say these are my values. Let it be those here. Somebody God has to stand up for righteousness. Let it be us. By your grace, by your power, let us never be the same. Transform our pattern of thinking from the ways of the world to your good and pleasing will. Now it's just your head bows, would you just pray privately, quietly to yourself and ask yourself this question. Am I doing all the good that I can? Am I being the person God's called me to be? Start with your life. Am I doing all that God has called me to be? Altar workers, would you come please? Look at your life. Are there other things that need to change? Just privately, really. right now, I ask the Lord to change you. Lord, look at my heart. Look at my life, God. Are there things I need to change? Start in me. Start in me. Now look at the way you operate with your family. God, could I be a better husband? Could I be a better father? Better mother? Better wife? Better child to my parents Wherever you are in your family role Ask God am I doing all that you want Let him speak to you Now use your imagination And think of your job And say God am I acknowledging you here With everything I got Am I a witness here He'll tell you how to do it Maybe it's not fighting over Sunday Because you know your boss gave you that okay? Uh, But you know it's going to be Things that come up over time. Maybe small things. Maybe they'll want to cut corners. And you'll say, no, I I don't want to do that. Well, why not? We're all doing it. Well, you know, I'm a Christian and I feel if I cut corners that I won't be giving God my best. Or maybe you're working the kind of jobs where you're really involved with customers. And maybe everybody treats a customer a certain way. And God is saying, no, I want you to treat them another kind of way. Instead of getting mad at them and yelling at them or... Being nice in their face, but talking bad about them in the break room. I want you just to be really nice. I want you to treat them as you would treat your own parent, your own relative. Treat them as you would a family member. Love them. Come on, ask yourself Am I doing the best on my job? Now look at your neighbors. Think about where you live, the people next to you. You ever go extra and mow their grass? You ever shovel their driveway? You ever uh, invite them over for dinner? kind of neighbor have you been are you the best kind of neighbor are you God's kind of neighbor and then think about who you've been voting for you know we all got to vote in this culture ask God just you know you've heard some of the values in this uh, journal uh, this uh, devotionals this month I will to be talking about it all from corporate greed to pornography to abortion to homosexuality just ask yourself have you been voting for the right people ask the Lord Lord check me Some of you might have have voted for Obama, but now you're realizing, man, he's done more for the abortion industry than almost any president. I mean, are you proud of that vote? You stood with a person that's murdering children. You need to repent of that. Or maybe there's an alderman that said, I'll do X, Y, and Z, but he's corrupt. We all need to search our heart in those ways. That's where revival is, and that's where revolution is. It's right there. It's in you. Now before we close out and, and pray, and I thank you for letting me go a little bit longer today. I want you to, to now imagine as best as you can, just with head eyes bowed and heads, uh, heads bowed and eyes closed, imagine a world like Jesus said it could be. Just imagine it. Imagine coworkers being honest. Imagine uh, customers appreciating what you do and paying their bill on time. And Imagine your family members uh, feeling the way you do about life and raising their kids that way. And think about our schools being like that, honoring their family. I mean, could you just imagine this? For some of us, it's almost beyond imagining. I mean, we couldn't even think, right? That um, I mean, it would almost be like it would be a make-believe. But God can do it do it because now I want you to think about what you do see the only reason why you don't see what you just imagined is because the devil's been winning the cultural war in America but as surely as he brought in violence we can take it out as surely as he brought in perversion we can replace it with marriage as surely as he's brought in greed we can replace it with generosity So what you see now that doesn't line up with what your Holy Ghost vision was, that's what God wants you to do to change the world you live in. You may not be able to do something for everybody in every situation, but you'll be able to do good in some situations. And in those times, you want to do your part to build the place that God can say His kingdom is on earth as it is in heaven. Jared, would you pray this prayer
0: that I've been preaching today over our people in dismissal, please? Father, we thank you. Uh, Father, I just pray that right now, Lord, more more is is caught than is taught. and, And you need to convince us of this, Lord. As was said in the beginning of the message, we need to be convinced Jesus is the answer for a hurting, dying, sin-sick culture. Jesus is the answer for broken families. Jesus is the answer to violence in the streets and corruption in government and corruption in companies. Jesus is the answer for the poor and hurting. Jesus is the answer. He took our sins on the cross. He promised us a new heart. He said He would write our His commands on our hearts. He'd put His law on our hearts so we wouldn't just do whatever we want and sin and follow the devil, but we would love God and we would love our neighbor as ourselves. He would give us new desires and new passions and that's what people need. He would, he would unblind our eyes. So many people be, are blind and they can't see the plain truth of, of what life is and what a family is, Lord God. But you said you'd give us sight because the devil has blinded our minds. Lord Jesus, change our hearts. Start in us change our hearts. Change our priorities. We're consumed with the cares of this life in this room. We're consumed with the holiday season. We're consumed with rent. We're consumed with every other thing. But God let us be consumed with your kingdom and your glory and lost souls. Let it be the thing that keeps us up at night. Let it be in the forefront of our minds, Lord God. Let us not be the same after this day. We thank you. We bless you, Lord. Change us that we may go out and change the world in Jesus' name.
1: Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's sing it out together. Your kingdom come. Come on, turn up her mic. Your will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, Adam in the band, come on up here, sing it out. Your kingdom come. If you need prayer for that, come on up. Let God touch you if you want to be part of the change. as it is in heaven, sit in. Come on, sing it out. Your kingdom. If you want to just kneel at your chair or this altar, come on. Let's pray to God before we go today. Yeah. As As it it is in heaven,
6: heaven.
4: your kingdom, your kingdom come. Yes, God.
1: If you have to go, we dismiss you. But we're just going to keep praying so we love you. Have a great week. But if you need prayer or want to pray, come on up. And altar workers, some of you just need to intercede with us too. Hallelujah. Use us this week, Lord, as we go our separate ways.